Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on the 25th day of September 2017 from a Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Let me tell you what I'd like to do this week, what my aim is to do, at least between now and the beginning of the postseason, is I want to talk about every single team in the postseason every team in there now I've been accused of having Red Sox bias and San Francisco Giants bias even though I've talked more about the Brewers and the Diamondbacks than most other podcasts you can go out there but I'm going to put my money where my mouth is I'm not only going to talk about every team in the postseason but I'm also not going to presume to know more than those who follow the team And so today I have a very special guest. This guy has been a guest of the Sully Baseball podcast in its earliest incarnation back when it was on Seamheads. And back then it was 2011 and writing about the Astros in 2011 was not a fun thing to do, I'm guessing. So I'm having on here the biggest Astros fan I know, blogger, Astros fan extraordinaire and friend of the podcast since for at least six years at this point ladies and gentlemen welcome back Richard Perez howdy Sully back to good to be back man it feels good thanks for having me on I know I know hey look at when when I first had you on we we kind of intertwined in the the pod the podcasting or baseball blogging universe or however the hell you and i found each other it was around 2011 now if those of you are unfamiliar this was so far back the astros were a national league team um this was the brett wallace uh chris johnson years of the astros this team lost 106 damn ball games and this guy was writing about him as if there was, oh, well, you know, there's some stuff to root for on this team. There's some stuff. You were Mr. Optimistic then about the possibilities of this team. And lo and behold, you take a look at one name that pops up on that team was a certain 21-year-old Jose Altuve, who could very well be the American League MVP this year. So, hey, you've been rooting for them since they sucked, and now you root for them when they're the division champs and have a have a legit shot to go far this year so tell me your thoughts it's uh, it's crazy to look back at that at that time 2011 2010 i sat down with a good friend of mine who who likes to get my goat about the astros and uh we you know it's from 2011 where i remember when hunter pence was traded that summer uh i believe in 2010 we had roy oswald get dealt uh, it was it was a wild sort of time. Yeah. I remember writing about prospects and looking up these people who we were getting. Some of them didn't pan out, but uh, that's kind of the way this kind of baseball goes. And with Jose Altuve being from, I believe, 2011, August, getting called up that year, July, uh, straight from Double A, mind you. So I got to see him go from Corpus Christi to Houston was one of the coolest things at that time, which uh, admittedly I kind of played up more than it should have been. But for a fan who saw a lot of Double A baseball, to see that guy get called up was extremely cool. 
And now that he, like you said, he has potential to be MVP this year, it's unreal. I mean, look, it's it's really going to be between one of the tallest players and one of the shortest players in baseball. When you consider it's going to be probably between Judge and Altuve. Uh, Judge homered twice today, by the way. So he's up to 50 homers. Uh, I, I mean, I lean towards Altuve. I personally have no problem with either one. I have a feeling the voters are going to do kind of like what happened in Trout's rookie year. That's kind of like, okay, you get the... Judge will get the Rookie of the Year as your as your consolation prize, and I just think that what Altuve has done, who you know you've been trumpeting Altuve since for for years and years now, and you're right, he did come up from from Double A right to right to the Astros. This guy, I mean, he's going to have his fourth straight 200 hit season, uh, his third batting title. Uh, leading the league in OPS plus again. He has power, lest we forget. He's a 24-homer guy. He is a 32-stolen base guy. Uh, he's a solid defender. He's played amazing all year long, especially when you consider that he was playing without Correa for a while. I mean, there, he did. He wasn't at full strength for a while. And, you know, this guy, if he stays healthy, he's, as I'm recording this, he's at 1,000... 244 career hits at age 27. This guy is a legit chance if he stays healthy to be a 3,000 guy. Uh, absolutely. When you consider the fact that he has multiple 200 hit seasons, it's it's amazing how this uh, such a big package comes in a small form. You know, big things come in small packages. And watching the contrast from Aaron Judge to Jose Altuve, it's so interesting how you can have a guy who's five six, five foot five, or maybe five five foot six, and then somebody who's a giant like Aaron Judge be uh, all stars and just absolutely be icons at their position in their in the game. I it it just shows that baseball is a truly great game, and you really can't predict this kind of baseball. But to trumpet Jose Altuve more, he's been an all star. He's been the mainstay of this team. He's been a five time all star. Five-time All-Star, so there, there goes. There's another three thought to have this man hit three thousand hits would be out. It's quite a ways off, but what he means to this team and what he's done for this franchise, no, no. But to go from the Craig Biggio to an anomalies at second base, and now we have Jose Altuve. I think the Astros have been blessed. And they're certainly fortunate to have these kind of guys come up to be at such an important position. And also losing Carlos Correa for a good amount of the year. Uh, people kind of forget about that. He had um, uh, Alex Bregman filling that shortstop for a little while. We had some other people filling that shortstop for a little while. So he, those two guys, they are a great tandem. They're the best. They might not be the best two middle infielders you can have, but they're definitely in the conversation. Oh, I think when Correa is healthy, I think they're absolutely the best. Now, let's just talk a little bit about this year you've had because the Astros started off this year like unbelievable, like like from another planet level good, and they had the one. I mean, they had they had the unbelievable first half of the season, and when you really look at it, they had the disappointing. They had a bad August, but every other month they've been. Terrific play. I mean, playing like 600 ball for every other month or much higher than that. And even this month when they, you know, they they had a rough August and people wondering what the hell was going on with the team. Uh, pretty much from the acquisition of Verlander, save for they, they had that one bad series against Oakland. Okay, they had the four-game sweep by Oakland. 
save for that four-game sweep, which you could kind of say was a little bit of a fluke, I mean, they take that away and they're 15-3 and three this month. That's Cleveland Indian-like <laughs> when, you, when you think of it. It is. And their success has definitely been overshadowed by the Cleveland Indians. You know, this kind of mirrors 2015 for me, where they had an, outs- May, an outstanding April, and they sort of fell to they fell back to earth come the middle of the season. But they've been riding this wave all along. And when August hit, you kind of felt like, oh no, are the wheels falling off? Are these guys too young? Can they not handle this? Or you know, what's going on? But they've bounced back really well. It's a testament to AJ Hinch managing this ball club, managing that clubhouse, and the guys in there. You got somebody like Josh Reddick, who people can say can be very bad for the clubhouse. He likes to pat his stats in, in garbage time and that his stats kind of are false and he comes he doesn't come up clutch. But these guys, I think you have a special group of people with Brian bringing in Brian McCann in the offseason, a veteran behind the plate after losing Jason Castro, and you have uh, El Oso Blanco back there as well. There's, I think, I think this is a lot of perfect, a lot of pieces to the puzzle coming in together, and I hope it's a championship puzzle that they that these guys have put together. And it's it's a special team. It's a special feeling bouncing back from August. I can't I don't I've never had I've never been in this situation before having my team stumble really hard and then bouncing back. I've I've been a fan of a loser for the better part of six, seven years, you know, and so and so this is uncharted territory for us Astros fans and keeping an eye on Twitter and everybody saying, oh, the ship is sinking. The ship is sinking. We're done. The end is nigh. But they've they've bounced back and I'm glad they've sort of tuned out. The uh, the fans, I guess the the players have tuned out the fans because everybody's pressing the panic button, but somehow they corrected the ship. It's smooth sailing, won the division. Uh, d- the Rangers are not making the playoffs, and you know we don't have to worry about a one game playoff. And we've got we're in the ALDS, so this is good. This is a chance to exercise our demons from 2015. So tell me about w- what you're thinking about because all I mean, you go through when you and I were first talking. It was 2011, 2012, 2013, and the Astros were trading away anything that wasn't nailed down. I mean, it was everything was on the for sale sign, all the players. And to their front office's great credit, they traded for volume as well as quality. They just flooded their farm system with as many young players as possible. Say, look at let's just let's just do this. And when you consider how quickly. They went from being a what was a hundred and ten loss team or whatever the heck it was, to now having two playoff appearances in three years. I mean, that's a tremendous turnaround for this organization. And now you look at the team that had been trading everyone away, makes the trade for Verlander, and for a pitcher who last year could arguably have won the Cy Young Award. Maybe he isn't as good this year, but still he's been outstanding since he arrived in Houston. Tell what, the, as, as an Astros fan who's not used to these kind of acquisitions, well, tell me what that was like when you wake up on, on the first day of September and Verlander's on his way over. Well, it was certainly, it was, okay, It's it felt like, okay, it's about time because I feel, and many other Astros fans feel, that we should have gotten Verlander at the, uh, July 31st deadline and that kind of fed into the uh, I guess the panic of August the great panic of August as I'm going to call it now uh, the Astros sort of uh, squandering not really squandering but falling back to earth and 
when he when I woke up that day and I found out the Verlanders and Astro, I might have been up that night. Uh, I was I was relieved, and I was hoping that I believe it was Dallas Keuchel, and I can't remember who else had some words for management. I think it was saying, Lance you know, McCullers, wasn't it? Did was it Lance McCullers? It may have been. I, I remember. It was, I remember it was Keuchel. I remember Keuchel did so. Keuchel said something. I was like, ooh, that that kind of rubs me the wrong way. But then it, I knew he's not wrong. This man is not wrong. I felt the same way as well. I just didn't really want to say anything and feed into the negativity. So when he got here, it's kind of like, all right, let's let's go. This is. This is what we wanted. But another thing, I'm also hesitant about big trades like this because if you look, go back to 2015 with the Carlos Gomez deal uh, or the Mike Fires deal, as most Astros fans like that, that did not work very well for us. We gave up a good guy in Brett Phillips. He's doing really well for the Milwaukee Brewers. And they're, and they're, uh, I I'd followed him throughout the minor leagues, and he was doing really well, which made me a little disappointed that we got rid of him. But going back to, um, you know, trading for volume, our, our guys who weren't nailed down, who guys like, you know, who are on the trading block, it goes, it's a testament to Jeff Lewis' system that he has in place that we, we were able to use a lot of these guys that turned, that had potential to get some trades. There's a guy who I really wish we didn't get rid of, who's a great person. He's a great personality and even better ball player is Enrique uh, Enrique Hernandez for the Dodgers. He played here in Corpus Christi. I got to see him play. He was beloved by the fans, and I really hoped he would have been a good fit with the But he was traded to Miami for the um, Jake in the Jake Marisnik deal, and then Miami. I believe he Miami's traded him to. Um, to the Dodgers. So seeing him go from Miami to there, I think Los Angeles is a great fit for him. He sort of, he's got that Hollywood persona. And so he goes, he fits in well with Los Angeles and it's fun to watch him. They won the, it's good to see him there. And uh, he's still kind of an Astro to me, but he's a Dodger and I still watch him. And it makes me smile because he's a good player. He's a great guy. And I, 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 I was really disappointed when he got traded because I knew he was one of my favorites. That's that's just the way this goes, you know. You have guys come in, you have guys go, and I had to tell myself that, you know, just because you've got this guy who you can make a connection with, you, you see him play every day, you watch him, you get it, you become a fan of him, and he gets traded. So that it's disheartening, you know, for us. But we get a guy, we get a big name guy, Jake Marisnik, who people in Houston love. He is beloved. Unfortunately, he's been injured, but. People in Houston love him, and so it's a, a give and take kind of deal. Is Amersnik back? Is he? Is he? Is he off the DL now? I as the last I don't think he is. Last I saw, because right. when he was um, when he went out when the Astros clinched the division, he went out into the field and celebrated with the team, and that kind of made everybody uh, that made everybody uh, get excited for him. And he was in a cast, and I don't I don't think he's going to be yeah. this late in the season. I, don't I didn't think, think he was either. Back. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, take a look at this team right now. They're as we're recording this, they're at ninety-five and sixty is their record, which is right now the fourth highest win total of any Astros team ever. If they can win three more games, it will be the second highest win total because the eighty-six Astros were ninety-six wins, and that was always the the gold standard for me. Because I mean, I'm a child of the '80s, so I remember that '86 team really well. Then there was the 99 Astros, who won 97 games, and that was the Mike Hampton squad. And then you had the 98 is the most, the, the team that borrowed Randy Johnson for a few months. They had BGO Bagwell, Hampton, all those great players on that team. But they, they 
just couldn't get past San Diego. Uh, this is a chance to be statistically one of the great Astro teams of all time. And of course, you know, has a chance as nobody, I, I, they're kind of flying under the radar. Obviously, Houston's got a lot of attention based upon, well, you're safe, right, man? You're not, I mean, you're not, the, the horrible hurricanes that have hit and everything. You're okay, right, man? Yeah, I, I ended up being fine. The hurricane, um, uh made a devastating landfall about 30 miles north of where I was. And right. I've got a story for after the podcast about how, how all of this went down. It was, it was, it's an, okay. it's an unfortunate situation, but I'm okay. My friends are okay. And you know, the community is coming back just fine. And, and that look at the lot can be sometimes too much can be made over teams playing hard for a community in the the wake of something terrible but we've seen like what exactly. happened with my red sox in 2013 and you saw what happened with the yankees in the 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 wake of of september 11th or even a few years after katrina with the saints winning i mean you could see a lot of times this becomes at least part of the narrative how much of it is really affecting the game but it certainly becomes part of the narrative of houston having home field and 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 Getting home field a little bit under the radar with all the attention that Cleveland's getting, it's kind of taking a little bit of the pressure off of the Astros, I think, that now that Cleveland looks like the team that has to win, you know, is expected to win now. Exactly. The microscope is on Cleveland, exactly just like you said, which I'm very thankful for. Some people saying, you know, Astros had more coverage. I wish ESPN talked more about the Astros. I wish there was a lot more focus on the Astros. But I think this is fine the way it is. I don't want any little thing to be magnified by or something to be blown out of proportion you know oh you guys didn't do well today what's going on is the ship sinking you know this media this media circus can be very can be the downfall of a lot of clubs and so the fact that it's on cleveland and they've got pressure the clubhouse is the but terry they've got a guy in terry francona who's dealt with this before who's been in a big media market and, and has once has been very successful so i think they've got a guy who knows what he's doing out there and that's not to say that aj hinch can't do it but it's better than yeah but else. i think aj hinch is going to win the manager of the year this year i really do i think when you consider i mean uh, I mean, look, you know I'm a Francona guy, especially with his days rooting, you know, as a Red Sox fan. But I take a look at the Astros. Going into this year, I thought the – I could not figure out the American League West. I think I picked Seattle, but I kind of picked kind of by default. I kind of was like, I, I don't see which team is out there. Is it the Rangers? Is it the A's? Is it the Angels? Is it, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell. And in that sort of scrum – that the Astros just ran right out and were able to absorb a bad month. I mean, that's the thing. That's the advantage when you play 650 ball for the first half of the season. You can you can absorb one bad month. And I don't think, I mean, I could be wrong. I'll go to baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. But I don't think their lead got to single digits, has been at single digits since... Um, yeah, since May 27th was the last day the lead was in single digits. Even with the poor month, it never no team ever got to within 11 games of them. And that that and the fact that then they righted the ship and have been safe for that as I said, safe for that one series in Oakland which was, you know, you could say okay, that's a little bit of a fluke. Safe for that one series, the the rest of the month, they've been outstanding. And yeah, they absolutely have. I agree with that. And it, it made 
August, the great August panic is something they I think a lot of people have forgotten about it. Winning solves a lot of issues. And I going back to preseason predictions, right. you know, the West was a toss up. The Mariners were good. The Rangers were good. The Angels were good. The only punching bag that anybody thought was going to be there was the athletics. But to be even you know, the even the athletics were a team that had a lot of good young players on it. Even they weren't like. Uh, the, they were the type of team that said, do you know what? If they don't sleep on them, they could have some young players who could at least hold their own. But you're right. It was – I had no idea what to pick. And I thought I thought Seattle was going to be a, a lot better. But I didn't – I thought 85 wins was going to win the division. I And I thought so as well. I thought a middle of the pack team was going to get this. I thought it was going to be a late push in September that might have come down to three teams. You know, I thought I thought it was going to be the Angels, Rangers, Astros. That's that's kind of I guess that's kind of a bias on my end. But I did think Houston was going to be in it. I, you know, when they took off running right out of the gate, I was I didn't I couldn't have seen this coming. I was thinking, well, they're going to get hot. They'll have a good two months. They'll be unreal for these two months. They'll fall back to earth, play about 500 ball, hopefully win more series than they, you know, than somebody else and make a push at the end to win the division. But they've just ran out of the gate from May. This has been their division. And I was afraid that we'd have a, tw- uh, what was it? 2015 where we were had, where we had a division lead and we, we said, come and take it to the Rangers and the Rangers came and took it. And so <laughs> we had to play in the, uh, you know, the wild card game. But that's that's kind of that was in the the back of my mind as we were running away with it. But in hindsight now, I'm glad I'm glad we don't have to worry about that. We played extremely well. We can get home field advantage. And um, but it's not to say that these guys won't bounce back. The Angels, I see potentials in them. The Mariners and the Rangers. I was surprised the Mariners have fallen so far, and the Rangers. The, the Rangers, I believe, was the biggest surprise how far they've fallen in the uh, in the standings. I guess you could say. Uh, because I thought for sure they would be a, a competitor for this division. Uh, the trade of you Darvish was absolutely surprising, su- surprising to me uh, that he felt like one of their big mainstay kind of guys. But obviously they're moving on. They've moved on from him. And so we'll see where the Rangers go from here because um, it's it's this. I think even next year with as good as Houston is, uh, the rest of the division is going to improve. And it's anybody's division. It truly is. Um, well, let me let me just bring this up right now because I'm, I'm I think that the when the Chicago White Sox in 2005 I'm not bringing this up for the fact that they beat <laughs> the Astros of the World Series I'm bringing it up for a different reason uh, the the White Sox that year got off to a huge huge lead and then they had right around the a little bit later because their their slip was um, hit its peak around the middle of September so it was like but it was similar it was like the latter part of the year and unlike the Astros, their lead got down to like a game and a half. Like the Indians came on strong at the end of the year and they nearly caught them. And then they went on a rampage after that. They just they they were great the second half of September, clinched the division with a week to spare, swept my Red Sox, beat the Angels in five, and swept your Astros. And you could almost point to the fact that they may have been kind of coasting. And then the minute they were nearly caught, they were like, no one's going to stop us. And <laughs> they you know, went all the way till they won the, you know, I have to tell you, they beat the Astros of the World Series. But I wonder if there's a parallel with this Astros team where they were in front by so much 
and that they're, I don't want to say the Astros were complacent, but maybe there was a sense that they needed this sort of bit of adversity to wake them up because they've been playing, not only they've been playing outstanding balls, as I said, say for those one series in Oakland, but they they also basically almost single-handedly torpedoed the Angels from winning the wild card. I mean, they... Yeah, they did. <laughs> they absolutely yeah, did. That's 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 unbelievable. So, um, so you got to be thinking now. Now, all right, I'll say it. I'll bring it up now. It's looking more and more, especially because the Indians have the tiebreaker against the Astros. So the Astros actually have to finish ahead of Cleveland to get the number one seed. And I think it's two or three games they're ahead at this point. I'm not. I don't remember off the top of my head. But I, I think it's pretty clear that as that the Indians are going to get the top spot and play the wild card. And so you know what this means, man. Yeah, this is between you, you and me. You know what this means. This is us. This is you <laughs> and me, man. I've been very friendly up until this point. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll kind of set it aside for a little bit. And whoever, if if you win, all the Red Sox have always had a soft spot in my heart just because I, I didn't really care much for the Yankees. And the Red Sox and the Angels were kind of my AL teams. And I, you know, whoever wins between us, that's going to be who I root for. Oh, Um, you're sweet. (laughs) (laughs) But if it's, if it's somehow, if it comes between us, it's, it's going to be a good series. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I think it's going to be, I I have to say just as I'm not saying this is a slight against the Astros. I'm actually thrilled that it's, it's not Cleveland because I look at the Red Sox now and I see, I don't see them being able to beat Cleveland. I think the Astros would be a better fit against Cleveland, quite frankly. I'm not just saying this because you're on the other end of this call right now, but uh, I think the, the the Astros are a better matchup against Cleveland than Boston is right now. Uh, but I think that Boston and Houston are more evenly matched than Boston and Cleveland. I think that'd be a better series. And I look at, especially if you have Chris Sale versus Justin Verlander game one, I mean, holy cow, that's that's a hell of a game one right there. That's a, that's know. an amazing, that's a game one. That is your marquee matchup right there. And you have, that's the two pitchers with, with some October stuff to prove. I mean, this is Chris Sale wants to show that he's a, you know, a bum gardener right. and not a Kershaw. You know, that he's a guy who wins in October, not just in the regular season. And Verlander, who has had some – Verlander's had some great division series. Oh, yeah. Ask my Oakland friends. He's kicked butt in the division series. But his one bugaboo is he's been in two World Series, and he flopped badly once against St. Louis and once against San Francisco. So for him, this is a chance – to be not only a World Series hero for the city of Houston and that da 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 da, but to take that monkey off of his back on a, a career which has done everything for the Hall of Fame, and to just have this one critical. So that's what a game one match. And I like that could I be. like that that simile, you know, be a Bumgarner and not a Kershaw. That <laughs> that, that, that get, that's giving me a good chuckle. That's outstanding. I just made that <laughs> up, but it's true. It's not like. You know, and I'm I'm a Kershaw fan. I like Kershaw. I, I mean, I'm I wouldn't mind um, my giant friends, my giant fan friends. Please close your ears. I wouldn't mind seeing the Dodgers win the World Series because I like it when superstars win. You know, that's why I didn't mind when players like I'm not a big football guy by any stretch of the imagination. But like when the John Elways or the Peyton Mannings win, I like to see superstars 
have at least one championship to their name and 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 I would love to see Kershaw, but the fact of the matter is he he is only himself to blame. And I think Verlander. And it's like I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say it's like having Dusty Baker, a great manager in his own right, yeah. but when it comes to the postseason, what you know? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Once yeah, again, yeah. my Giant fan friends turn turn away at this point because you know all too well. <laughs> hey, I want to bring this up because this is. Uh, this is no small shakes uh, with the Astros. At, for those of you who follow uh, my podcast, and I know I do, uh, you know at the beginning of the year I did the, the what is, um, what the hell did I call it? The suffering oh. index, thank you. I created oh, a yes. stat to try to figure out which fan base is suffering the most. And I was stunned how high the number was for the Houston Astros in terms of suffering fan bases. But when you consider, this is one of the few franchises that has, this is the oldest franchise, uh, no, it's the, this and the Rangers are the two oldest franchises to have never have won, when you consider that the Rangers were the expansion Washington Senators. So there's something about Texas and winning World Series <laughs> that just doesn't quite work out. Just ask Nelson Cruz and when he timed that leap. But... The Astros have not only not won the World Series, but man, they have had heartbreaks in extra inning losses and Tony Eusebio hitting a ground ball that just barely is picked up by Walt Weiss and 16 inning marathons against the Mets and all those, you know, the the series. The, it was a four-game sweep by the White Sox, but the last three games were could have gone either way and... That amazing series against St. Louis in 2004, the 1980 NLCS, which I think could have been the greatest postseason series of all time. I mean, the year in and year out where you're like, oh, they came so close. Oh, they came so close. And so for the Astros who don't get the press of the pain that Red Sox fans went through, Cub fans went through, the Cleveland fans went through, but man... Houston is a is a long suffering sports city. It, it is from. It, I, I like the the metric that you also have that when a team wins a championship, it takes pressure away from the other sports teams in that city. So in the '90s, you had the Rockets win in the Jordanless era in the two years without Jordan, which I would like to put an asterisk on. And then you had the Dynamo win MLS, you know, take that with the grain of salt, what you will. In 2007, haven't had anything in this decade yet. But it's it's yeah. it's hard to go by from the great series against the Phillies in 1980, from that heartbreaker of a series to the Mets in 1986, to losing to the Braves in the 90s and then the Padres in 98. Those I specifically what hurts me the most is the 1990 series oh. against Atlanta Braves, where John Rocker is the guy who gets the fun recorded in the Astrodome. That, 99, that just, yeah. That just yeah. kind of irks me in a certain sort of way. The 2000, yeah, the 2005 World Series. We were just happy to be there. You know, I, I, unlike a lot of people, yeah. I get, I'm obsessive with this team history and, um, I have DVDs of Astros, of uh, the Astros history and rewatching that over and over again from 2011 to 2015. Um, you know, the, the mindset, we were just happy to be there, but when you get there, you wanted to win, you know, we were happy to be there. And, but like, I believe it was, uh, 
Gardner, uh, what's what's Gardner's first name? The manager who was oh, at the Phil time. Garner. Phil oh, Gardner. Man. Phil Gardner. Yeah. Phil Gardner. Phil Gardner. Um, he was like, you know, we were everybody was happy, everybody was elated. McLean gave Roy Oswalt a tractor instead of a an addition to, I believe, the the NL the National League Championship ring, and so people, yeah. were, Houston was elated for that. And now, fast forward twelve years. Um, it's. I think it's a different feeling that we know these guys have. They 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 can cut it in. They can get there. We want to see what they can do once they get there. For a lot of Astros fans, coming season was, let's get to the postseason because we have a lineup and a rotation that can go with the best of them. Our bullpen was the only question mark. Let's see what moves we can make. Let's see how how we improve. Let's just get to October. That's kind of the that was that was, that was at least my mindset and a couple other people that I talked to. Let's get to October. Let's see where this goes. What can we do? Who are we going to go up against? What's strengths? What's going to be weaknesses? Can we stay healthy um, and put ourselves in a good position to compete for the World Series? Yeah. Well, you know what? You got a real shot. I mean, look, at I if I were a betting man and I'm not, I, I just think this Cleveland team looks really solid from top to bottom. But we've seen many, many times teams having the best record in baseball does not always mean – you're going to face off in the World Series. And, and you just can imagine if 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 the Astros get past the Red Sox, and I'll make that <laughs> caveat, uh, that if you have Verlander up against Kluber game one, there's a toss-up. You have Keuchel versus either Carrasco or Kluber, or not Kluber, um, uh, Trevor Bauer game two, there's a toss-up. And then when you get to the three and four starters, I think the Astros bullpen is much improved. Um, I actually would take the Astros lineup over Cleveland's lineup, uh, which is more important when you're up against your three or four starters. Um, Yeah, you're not asking to beat the Indians over 162 games. You're asking to beat them over a best of seven series. And so I think that this could very well be... uh, I don't know. Who knows? I'm not going to say it out loud, but I'm saying, hey, this could be a year that Astro fans have been waiting for a long time. Let me just say it that way. <laughs> and I agree. This is this is what we uh, 2017 was in our minds in 2011, 2013. This has been this is what we've been building for this moment right here. You know, the ride to it. It's not about they say it's not about the journey. It's about or it's not about the destination, it's the journey. And this has been so much fun, having a winning baseball team, turning on the TV and watching them win almost every single night or every other yeah. night. It's it's unreal to me to see these guys come out and do this because as a kid, I watched them on TV. I didn't really take it too seriously. It's like, all right, the Astros win, cool. But now I take it a little bit differently. It's like, well, we won. Our bats were great. Bullpen kind of struggled here. Our starter, wish he would have gone a little bit longer, you know, I, I've taken a little bit more. I put more thought into these games. I can di- I can, I can digest what these games mean, and you know, kind of see what what kind of team we're going up against. You know, who's you know, we got to play against the Angels. Oh my God, Mike Trout, Albert Pujols. Oh my God, we're playing against the Indians. Corey Kluber is great. He was an he was a winner. You know, and one thing that sticks out in my mind is when the Keuchel and going up against Kluber. There was an opening day where the Astros and the Indians played, and. And Keiko just outmatched Kluber, just pitch for pitch. It was he outclassed him that day, and that's that it kind of puts I don't know if this is a false security or just you know some somehow rooted in 
you know, whatever metrics we can find to confirm my bias that could be a little bit better, but it's about how our bats go up against these guys. And I feel that we have some of the best bats in, as you said, this yeah. lineup over there. Yeah. Line- I mean, I would, I would pick Cleveland's bullpen over yours, although your bullpen is good. There's a spectacular, I would pick your lineup over the Cleveland lineup, even though theirs is good. Uh, you know, I, I'm just jumping right over the Red Sox. Uh, no, I think the Astros lineup is much, much better than the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox lineup is is good. They do a lot of situational hitting, which I think will actually help them in the postseason because you're not going to just sit back and mash homers if you're going to be facing against you know Verlander and Keuchel and McCullers. You're not you're going to have to know how to hit them in the gap and to go first to third and everything. I think in the end, while it's been frustrating seeing the Red Sox have the lowest number of home runs of any team. I think playing kind of they're playing a, a National League style from the '80s style of baseball in Fenway Park. Uh, I I think Red Sox Astros should be a five game series. I think, I mean, imagine Game Five would be in Houston, right? And would be probably imagine Game Five being Sale Verlander. I mean, that'd be that'd be something else. And and that's I really think a Red Sox Astros series could be a coin toss. And and and. I mean, I wouldn't know who to pick at this point. It kind of depends on the pitching matchups and seeing who's healthy and everything. So it should be fun. should be fun, man. It very well should be. The Red Sox are no pushovers. They are truly no pushovers. And, you know, we got to yeah. take them. They're a 90-win ball club. They're a great ball club. And we do we do get a preview coming up after this series with the Rangers. Uh, we The Astros and the Red Sox do meet up for a potential ALDS. Is that preview. weird? Is that? It's very weird how this baseball, <laughs> how baseball kind of works out. Like Wait, that. so is it in? Remind me, because actually I'm going to go the, the the schedule right now. Is that in? That's in Boston. I believe so. so. I believe it is in Boston. Four games against each other. That's so. I totally forgot about that until you just said that. So they're going to play four games against each other, like a scrimmage, because the Red Sox will have been will have clinched the division by then. And there'll be no, and, and but they won't be passing the Astros, so there'll be no position or jockeying for like playoff position at all. It'll just be basically a four-game scrimmage in Boston. It would have been wilder if it was in Houston that they just would have just kept staying there. But man, this is uh, this is I've never I've never seen this before where the teams that are facing in a playoff series are going to face each other four times it'll before be, it'll the be playoff series. Because they're so, we have to, we have to keep our signs. I, I don't want the Astros to give any signs in those four games. We got plenty we of Apple watches. We got lots of Apple watches. <laughs> don't worry about that. They've got, they got a new iPhone now. They the Red Sox all of their iPhones out. It's going to be just fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we got to keep everything under wraps for those four games. And when we get back to Houston, that's, that's when we bust it all out. On them, we keep our stuff safeguarded, and we'll be good. What's the uh, Astros uh, AAA team now? Is it in? Is it in Tucson? For, no, sir. We are it's in, in Fresno. Fresno. That's right. Yeah, I used to. Remember, Fresno was the Giants forever, and now Sacramento's. The, I always get. I got confused. That's right. It is Fresno now. So yes, what I'm what I'm going to say is is those four games are basically going to be Fresno versus Pawtucket. You just got a sense that. <laughs> That the starters will show up, and by the second inning, they're going to be pinch running from. It's going to be a spring training game. They're not going to be showing any pitchers. It, Sale will probably pitch one inning. Kimbrel will probably pitch one inning. 
everyone who's not on the playoff roster is going to get a ton of playing time. Yeah, this is it's it's not going to be a playoff preview. It is going to be, hey, who wants to play against the Astros today? Who wants to tell your children you played against the Astros? That's basically what it's going to be. <laughs> I'm going to keep my phone open because I never know. I might get a call to go out and get a flight out to Boston. Hey, yeah, so, you know what? That, <laughs> I might suit up. Let me tell you, there's as good a chance on that Saturday and Sunday that you and I will be pitching. It'll be Sullivan versus Perez. Uh, pitching <laughs> instead of it being Verlander or Sale. I mean, that's going to be a much better. I you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Verlander or Sale made like a relief appearance. Like they'll pitch the fourth and fifth innings to get their throws in, and that's it. That's the only time they appear in the entire series. That would not <laughs> stun me if that happened. Oh man, that's that's so interesting. I hope now now I'm hoping that the Astros and the and the uh, the Red Sox do face off in the ALDS because that that's that's so interesting. I want to see how it covers this. I don't know if I I mean I couldn't. I'm on BaseballReference.com right now, the greatest single website in the history of the universe, and I could I couldn't tell you if that's happened before. I'm sure it has. You know, I go back to you know in the NFL where in week 17 the Cowboys played the Eagles and then they played them in the wild card game that next week, which is so interesting. But I can't. I don't know if this has ever happened in baseball. In the hundreds of years of baseball, I'm sure this has happened before. I don't know I, I I, that they would meet in the very next playoff series. I mean, that, I mean, I mean, I could almost picture them facing off in the league championship series, but this is just, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this could be a first. This could yeah, very well could. What are the odds they catch a flight together? Hey, guys, want to save some money? Just carpool. Back oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's happening. <laughs> I'm sure they're on, on they're on Craigslist looking for a ride right now, you know? <laughs> Bring the beer and fried chicken, Red Sox. Come on, let's go. Yeah, the, the beer, fried chicken. The What other things are associated? Beer, fried chicken. They played video games in 2011. They're using uh uh apple watches this year all these things all these think of all the 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 product placement that could go on oh, there you know good, oh man uh, what a fun time all right man this is something well look at uh i'll tell you one thing what the rest of the planet earth or the rest of the baseball watching universe does not want to see is another red sox championship i'm telling you that there are all these teams that are looking to get their monkey off their back whether it's the astros the indians the la dodgers remember they they haven't been in a world series since reagan was president uh the washington nationals all the, the storylines there all these great storylines and if it turns out to be my red sox jumping up and down there's going to be a lot of pissed off people <laughs> and i don't give a shit i do not give oh, a shit man. oh goodness <laughs> hey richard perez where, what do you want to plug where can people find you in the in the universe out there i've got uh, r perez at on twitter uh, my websites i've done more photography mm-hmm. i've i've been blessed with an opportunity to work for the hooks as a photographer tell people what the hooks I, are who are, who are not who are people who are outside of texas so they know what the hooks are the the corpus christi hooks are the double a team of the houston astros so mm-hmm. that's kind of intertwined my hardcore fandom of the astros um so i've been able to be a photographer for them for this last season um i was production for them the year before so for those wondering why i'm how i got to be such a hardcore fan of a team that's four hours away the Corpus Christi hooks came into my childhood. Um, they're great. Rperezphotos.wordpress.com is where you can see a lot of my stuff. Uh, I improved over the year. I'm really proud of my photography. Uh, got to meet some of the players. Got to meet a lot of these guys. They're really cool people. 
and um, it's a fun hobby to do. And the, the Astros and the hooks very to me, and uh, that's 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 where I do a lot of my stuff now. All right, man. Hey, look at. You know, you hear about fair weather fans. I probably shouldn't use fair weather when I refer to Houston over the last few weeks. But <laughs> you, sorry, but I mean, you when you also hear about like bandwagon jumpers, man, you are the antithesis of a bandwagon jumper. You've been a fan of the Astros and a knowledgeable fan of the Astros when forget it when it wasn't cool and it was almost not physically possible and yet you were and so when i see teams turn it around like houston i can't help but think about the people who've been there through the thick and the thin and uh that's why you know want to bring you back on talk some houston and uh i'm clearly won't be rooting for the astros in the division series but if my team happens to lose, I'll feel really great for you and all the fans who have stuck with a team that's been an underrated source of anxiety for us fan base. So, Richard Press, man, you're a great <laughs> fan and you've been a good friend to the Sully Baseball podcast, blog, and all of its incarnations. So thanks a lot, man. This is, this is, this is a cool moment for us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. I'm glad to be on. It's always fun talking baseball with you, Sully. All right, man. So, hey, uh, for those of you out there, go to SullyBaseball.com. Like me on Facebook, so I have an iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. Twi- not Twitcher. I am not on Twitcher, but I am on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Sully Baseball Podcast, all one word. Uh, if you want to be old school, you can send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Talking baseball with my dear friend, Mr. Richard Perez. This has been the Sully Baseball Podcast recording on the 25th day of September 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Richard Perez, what can people call me? They can call you Sully. Damn right.